श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री जगन्नाथ स्वामी की जाय श्रीमान गौंग महाप्रभु की जाय जाय श्री जगन्नाथ पुरी धाम की जाय श्री चित्र की जाय गौर भक्त बृंद की गौर प्रेमानंदे This morning we're going to speak a little bit about the deity of Lord Jagannath. This evening we'll speak about Jagannath Puri and the Gundicha Mandir and Hera Panchami, which is the, which you'll come tonight and hear about. That's four o'clock this afternoon. So we've been gathering here for a few years now. And um, sometimes as long as three or four days before Athiyatra, this is a little bit shorter and a smaller group. But um, we've talked a lot about Jagannath Athiyatra, many, many, from many, many angles. There must be over a dozen talks that have, maybe 15 have been recorded on this. Wealth of, um, it's a wealthy subject to delve into, very rich. Today, as I say, I want to speak a little bit about Jagannath Dita. We've done that before, but I want to recite some exoteric and esoteric histories that I haven't, we haven't discussed previously, although we may have touched on them to some extent. The other night, Krishnarati asked about the Moshalalila of Lord Krishna. We were talking about the nature of bhakti and how it's it's eternal, as opposed to other spiritual disciplines, which are means to an ends, and, and the, the practices that are involved in attaining that ends are retired upon attaining the result. Whereas in bhakti, the sadhana and the sadhya are one; the practice and the goal are one. The question of quality, the difference between a ripe mango and a unripe mango. Something like that. So, while we were discussing that, she asked, well, Krishna Leela is eternal, but what about, I heard that Krishna got shot in the foot by a, by, by a hunter with an arrow, and, and he died, and so, is that eternal? Or? <laughs> so it brought up the topic of the Moshe Leela. We didn't do justice to it at the time, but it comes up also in relation to the history of Lord Jagannath, and I've touched on this before, and I'll begin with, with that again. Of course, Moshe Lila, this Lila, means the, the passing of Krishna. The Lila in which the queens of Dwarka were uh, kidnapped and Arjun couldn't do anything about it. This was also at the end of Krishna's manifest Lila. Lila's like this. The Lila, uh, the, uh, the story about the Vishnu being two hairs, or Krishna and Balaram being two hairs of Vishnu, black and, and, and white hair. These are some leelas described in the literatures. Well, the sacred text, we are fortunate to be in Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, in which the great Tattva Acharya Shijiva Goswami has dealt with all of these issues for us and explained to us how to, how to understand these leelas. And He's told us there in, in Krishna Sandarbha that these kinds of leelas, a few of them that I've mentioned, maybe a couple others, 
don't come to mind, but these types of leelas, they have a particular purpose. They're not of an eternal nature. Uh, they're not what they appear to be. And with regard to the passing of Krishna in particular, relevant to our topic, if we study it carefully, we see that uh, it's very extraordinary. And there's an ordinary aspect to it at the same time. Extraordinary features are, for one, of course, we know that Krishna was very, um, especially even in his Brajlila, in, in, his, in his childhood, he was very powerful. He killed Putana just by sucking on her breast. That's quite a feat. He killed Trinavarta, he killed Bakasur, Agasur, so many demons. And in Braj, you may have noticed, because you are all devotees of Brajandananda and Krishna, that he did so with such ease, without any weapons. In the Braj, he killed so many demons, he didn't even use a weapon. Just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, she Gorhari, so he goes to Bihari, has no weapons. So Krishna in the Braj, has no weapons. He has a flute. That's powerful. That's a powerful weapon. Love weapon he uses, no doubt. But for killing the demons, no weapons. He has a stick, but not for killing demons. What does he use the stick for? For hurting cows. Does he ever hit them? No. Here we have to poke them, but Krishna will never poke those cows. He just raises the stick. He will able to do whatever he wants. He has a, a buffalo horn, this is his paraphernalia. He doesn't have weapons. He doesn't show forearms with a conch and a club and chakra, lotus and so forth. Huh? Weapons that we find in, uh, in, in Vaikuntha or in Dwarakesh Krishna, where he appears often forehanded. So, point is, this Krishna is very powerful. Then when he went to Mathura, he killed Kamsa. All of the Braj demons, they were all henchmen of Kamsa. In Gaga Sanghita, we find a description of all of these demons' previous lives and how they took birth in Krishna Lila and how they all came under the rule of, of Kamsa. He defeated each one of them, not to their death, but to submission. They were all working under him. So how powerful was he? And Krishna killed Kamsa in Mathura. What weapon did he use? He went to a wrestling match. There he was invited. Krishna is a very good wrestler. Of course, sometimes his friends defeat him. So what kind of what kind of friends does he have who can pin him to the ground and defeat him in the sport of wrestling? And when they all went with him, so many, to Kamsa's, uh, upon Kamsa's invitation for wrestling, those boys stood and watched him wrestle and Balaram wrestle with Mustika and Chanur and just make nothing out of these big wrestlers. Of course, the boys all thought, aren't you just, because we're here, you're showing off. You've got extra power because we are all here watching you. <laughs> anyway, then he leaped off the, off the mat and into the stands and uh, straddled Kamsa, raised his fist, and Kamsa died of fear. Krishna was not guilty of killing his own um, maternal relative. Kansa was what? The brother of uh, Devaki. He held, held him like this. Kansa was already like petrified. 
it was growing and growing and growing. And as Krishna defeated one demon after another, after another, after another, his fear was to building and building and building all the Braj demon, then into Mathura and killing the Kuvala, Kuvalyapita, that big elephant, and breaking the, the bow. And uh, it was said that uh, actually that bow was given to Kamsa by perhaps Parasharam and told it, that whoever can uh, break this bow will kill you. So Krishna broke the bow. And of course, then there was the oracle at the very beginning, even before his birth, and so Kamsa is the personification of fear. And fear is a big problem for all of us. Fear pervades material existence. Of the four concerns that we have in this world, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, fear is all-pervasive. Anxiety. But Krishna can kill that. He can scare fear to death. This is Krishna. So, then his Dwarka Leela. As Jarasandha attacked, he took everybody to Dwarka, and the demigods built the city, so many gifts and powerful uh, influences there. And as a prince, then Krishna also killed so many demons. Salva and uh, Danta Vakra, and uh, under his direction, Drasand also was defeated, and so Pondraka, and so many. But there he used some weapons. He used his chakra to kill Shishupal, his club to kill Dantavakra and so forth. A little less powerful than Braj Krishna, <laughs> but powerful nonetheless. In Mahabharata, he was showered with arrows from Bhishma. Right? Bhishma let loose such a shower of arrows on that day that he thought, today I will defeat Arjun. I will put him in such a position that, um, that either Krishna will protect him and fight for him, or, or he'll be lost. This is his, his bhava. So he's showering the, the chariot, and Krishna's being pierced by so many arrows. Did he die? No. How did he feel? He felt like they were flower offerings coming from Bhishma, because hmm? he felt his heart. Bhakti is difficult to understand. To understand the Vaishnava, very difficult. How he will act, how she will act, on the outside, what is the motivation on the inside? Very difficult to understand. Bhisma showering Krishna with arrows of love. He's saying, I'm going to throw so many arrows at Arjuna and some of them are going to hit you and I'm going to force you to, to show me that thing about you that is so beautiful. The most charming thing about Krishna. What is it? Bhakatavatsala. Oh, he has affection for his devotees. I want to see your affection. For Arjun, you took a vow not to fight. Your promise is good, only in relation to your devotees. Otherwise, I know you're very tricky. You come from the Braj Vaishya family, and they're very well known for saying things like, For you, sir, I make no profit. Hmm? Very tricky. <laughs> so I want to force you. I want to bring out who you are. You may make promises to so many people, but you're not necessarily going to keep them. But if you, your promises to your devotees, that will you, you will keep. And you promise to protect your devotees. You promise not to fight in the war. I want to put you in a position where you break your promise not to fight in the war and you pick up a weapon to show the truth about you that you will protect your devotees. So Krishna didn't die. So many arrows. 
so now at the, at the end of his his manifest leela, after the yadus had all passed away, just just imagine how many in the yadu dynasty, so many millions of people had this huge fratricidal like intoxicated uh, fight, and they all died. And there Krishna is sitting underneath a, a banyan tree very peacefully, and a hunter comes along looking for a deer. Now what would a deer be doing in a place like that, where there had just been a huge battle and so much noise and everything? Hmm? It wouldn't be a very likely place to go and look for a deer to hunt. So <laughs> this is one point worth considering. Then the hunter saw Krishna's foot at a distance and thought it was the face of a deer. Shot the arrow and then realized, oh, that's Krishna. He went there. He apologized. What did he do? Bhagavatam says, he put his head on Krishna's feet. Does it say he pulled the arrow out of Krishna's feet? Foot? No, because it never even went into his foot. Otherwise it would have said, oh, he pulled the arrow out and he patched up the hole. <laughs> and then, then he put his foot, uh, his head on his feet. No. None of these things. All this is all going on under the Swarup Shakti of Krishna. All so many impossible things are possible under that influence. Even Maya Shakti is, is doing mystical, magical, wonderful things. Only because we become custom, accustomed to them, we don't see the magic in them. And that's why we find life is boring and we cannot find the, see the reality, the finite, infinite is everywhere. For example, we see inside of the seed is a tree, right? And from the tree comes so many fruits. And from the fruits come so many seeds. And from the seeds come so many trees. And there's no beginning to this. What comes first, the seed or the tree? You cannot think about it. Finite is just a conception. Maya is our angle of vision. Under the influence of Maya Shakti, we see in a particular way. It's not that there's a tangible reality that corresponds with that. It's a wrong angle of vision, seeing in the wrong way. We're seeing in terms of the finite and measuring and calculating and so forth, and this has nothing to do with the nature of being and the nature of reality. The mind tends to make, because it's a dead thing, it doesn't, it doesn't exist wherever. We depend on it, as we make it our filter for seeing and perceiving, informed as it is by the senses, and we get a wrong reading. We take the life out of life. So Krishna Leela is meant to take it outside of this frame of reference so we can see how how wonderful everything is, how wonderful a, a seed is. So you can sit and look at one seed and you can put a seed on the altar and you can offer incense and flowers and think, huh, this is a manifestation of Bhagavan. See his wonder, what he can do. This is his power. He can put a tree and so many fruits inside of this, packaged perfectly. You can become fully Krishna conscious doing that. So, did Krishna die from the arrow of the hunter? No. Did he leave a body behind for the atheist's satisfaction? Yes. As they want to see me, I let them see accordingly. Krishna is not a real heavy controller. <laughs> He's a supreme controller. But he, he lets you do as you like. If you want to see me in one way, I'll show you that. If you want to approach me in another way, I'll show you that. If you don't want to approach me at all, that's also fine. There will be consequences for that, the, the natural results of that. I'm not to blame for that. That's the, just the nature of things. 
He controls ultimately by affection, by love. This is Krishna. We try to control, we're not satisfied, we have to bring things under our control. Otherwise we feel life is disconcerting. Solution is to love Krishna. And Krishna manifests in the world, expresses his leela for the purpose of attracting us. But we have to hear about it from proper sources so we can understand it properly. It can be misunderstood. He allows it to be misunderstood for those who don't want to hear properly from his devotees. So, at any rate, that f form of Krishna left behind was taken to the cremation at Swargadwara, that is in Jagannath Puri. Swargadwara, it's a, it's a famous creation grounds that Jagannath Puri is uh, located at. Swargadwara means the gate to heaven. Krishna is in Naralila, so cremation is performed, but it's said that they've after the cremation, the heart of Krishna remained. It couldn't be burned. So they put it out to sea. Well, to do something, they put it in the sea. And after some time, some long time, this heart manifested as a deity. And some village people that uh, floated onto the shore, they found that deity. They were like uh, just outback kind of people. So they took that deity in. They named him Neil Madhava. Means blue Madhava. And he was four-armed. And they made a little temple on a little hill. And they worshipped him. And they kept him to themselves. Then, while they kept their bhajan to themselves, their worship, this is an important point. We'll touch on it later. Still word leaked out throughout India. Sometime a sage would come and have the fortune to have a darshan and, and then wander on. And so some talk about this deity was getting, was out and about. And Maharaj Indra Dhyumna, living in his uh, palace, one day some saints came there, some sadhus, and naturally they were talking Harikata and this, they talked about this deity, Neil Madhava. Oh, he had four hands and very charming and beautiful and the place where he lived. Hearing that katha, satam prasangam mamavirya sambhido bhavanti hritkarna rasayana katha tadjochanat ashpapabhagavatmani shadhadatir bhaktim anukramishati If you have that kind of association among sadhus, what is their characteristic? Always talking about Krishna. They are always discussing from their mouth from their heart to their lips comes this rejuvenating elixir of Harikata. And it will go into your ear if you're in the vicinity. And it will go into the, from there into your heart and affect you and change your life forever. So the king heard this kind of kata. And he thought, I, he got some eagerness to have the darshan of Nilmanava, very merciful deity. So he sent out people in all over India to find where this Neil Madhav was. Amongst them was one Vidyapati, a Brahmana. He left his family to do the mission of the king. And while others returned unsuccessful, Vidyapati stayed out and was determined. And even to the point that the king became concerned about him. And he became a little discouraged himself, Vidyapati. He had searched far and wide, and one day he just happened onto this village. It was very peaceful. People were very happy there. 
and we asked if he could have a place to rest, and they directed him to the house of the leader of the area, the pati. Uh, they were called daitas. Uh, so daita pati, Vishwabasu was his name. He came to his house, but only his, his young daughter was there. The daughter said, he's coming, you just wait. When he comes, then he, I, I'll have you come in and introduce him. So he waited for some time, and then Vishwabasu came. And daughter introduced him, and of course, the generous host invited the Brahmin in, gave him a place, and took care of him. And every day in the morning, while the Japati was staying here, the, this uh, Vishwabhashu would go out for the day, and then he would come back, like going to work. But when he came back, there was an aroma that came from him, and such a peacefulness and uh, joy that uh, w within him and shining on his face that Vidyapati became very curious. Where does he go every day? What kind of work does this fellow do? <laughs> he really likes his job, doesn't he? <laughs> and so he stayed for some time and he was wondering about this and meanwhile one thing led to another and and the he became attracted to the young, young the king, the, 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 the Mishpavashu's daughter and she became attracted to him and and uh, they asked the blessings of Vishwabhashu that they could be married. Now, he had a Brahmin wife back at Indodrima's kingdom, long ways away, but now he had a second wife. She was from the lower class, Daita, Sabaras. And uh, so that was fine in those times. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he lived there for some time, and, he, and all the time his curiosity about where the this Vishwabhasa was going and then remembering his mission to find Nilamadava and so forth and he started to become curious if there was any connection between his mission and the father. So he asked the father's uh, in countenance and so forth. So he asked his wife, what's going on? Where does he go every day? What kind of work does he do? What is his job? She said, oh, I can't tell you that. He said, well, you're my wife. You have to, we can't have any secrets between husband and wife. You have to tell me. So she acquiesced. She said, well, he goes to see Neil Madhava. Oh, and the king was, the Vishwabhati, oh, my mission, that's what I came for. Yes, right. Ah. <laughs> 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 he heard the name and he remembered. Neil Madhava, Neil Madhava. So he said, you have to get your father to take me there. She, or he won't do that. He keeps his bhajan very secret to himself. He doesn't tell anybody about that. That's a very private affair. And bhajan should be kept like this. Actually, we should think like this. We tell everybody about Bhagwan. Anybody who's interested, want to hear about Bhagwan, preach about Bhagwan. We don't go everywhere and meet everybody on the head. You should serve my guru. You should surrender to my guru. You have to follow my guru. Don't do like that. Go and tell everybody about Bhagwan. And then some people ask, well, do you have guru? You have a teacher. But then you, that is a secret. That is a manifestation of Krishna. Krishna has come to me in that way to teach me in a secret way how to worship him, how to come to him. That is a, another thing. If you want to know that, then that is a, we can talk in private about that. Then you test and see. Is he interested? Is she interested? What at the level of it? Then maybe... My guru lives in, in the forest, in relation to me, at least. You can, 
Take, not easy to go there. <laughs> when Baladirta Maharaj came here a few years ago on this occasion of this festival, he said, Oh, Maharaj living very far away. He wanted to test everyone. <laughs> make up to, make a, have to go so far and make difficulty to come here. Very good idea, he said. <laughs> Don't be disturbed. We're not going to be disturbed. You can do your bhajan and not be disturbed. People really want to come. Then, all right. And what practices we learn from our guru? How to serve Krishna? This is this is heart heart service. Let's not we go and tell everybody. My guru is this. He's giving everybody. Yeah, come, you have to. Don't do like that. Bhajan should be kept. A bhajan life, as small as it is, we get bhajan akriya. We learn how to do bhajan from our guru in stages. We may not have been told everything such a high thing, but we may not be ready for that. But he is giving the bhajan kriya, the activities of, of bhajan, how to practice, means how to, how to love Krishna. So Vishvasu was not about to let his own son-in-law come and, and see. And he was protective of the deity also. After all, he had found the deity in the ocean like this, and they were worshipping, and uh, and they were not allowed to perhaps go in other temples and so forth, being from the lower class and have the service of the deity. And so, anyway, Vidyapati told Vidyapati told his wife, "Look, you know, I'm your husband, and you can't keep secrets from me. You got to let me go there somehow. You got to talk to your talk to your father, convince him." So she approached her father. The father said, no way. And then, being a faithful husband, wife, she said, but if you don't let him go, then I cannot live. And that way I will commit suicide. So he thought, I can't have my daughter commit suicide. So he said, all right, I'll let him go. I'll take him there, but he has to go blindfolded. Then he can have Darsha, and he can know how, how to get there. So wife told the husband, and Vidyapati said, well, I don't know, that's not, maybe that's, how's that going to work? Because, you know, I'm on a mission here. I've, I've got to actually find this deity for the king. And so he had confided in her. So she said, okay, here, you take some mustard seeds in your pocket. And as you walk, you drop the seeds. And over time, then some nice yellow mustard flowers will grow as a, in a pathway. So when you come back with the king, then you can find it. So he agreed and he went blindfolded. And he arrived there. And Vishwarashu took the blindfold off. He said, now you stay here. What I do is I go into the forest and I pick some flowers and some herbs and things and, and I prepare and sandalwood paste. I make a nice offering and I worship the deity like this. That's what I do. That's my job. That's why I appear with the countenance that, that you have taken note of. So he sat and Vishwarashu went and gathered the requisite paraphernalia. While he sat there, having the darshan of Neil Madhava, on a branch of one tree was a crow. And the crow just fell off. He was asleep. He kind of dozed off and <laughs> slipped off and fell into the lake there. When he fell into the lake, then he came out with four hands and a Vaikuntha body. And mystically, an airplane came and took him back to Vaikuntha. And Vidyapati saw this. What kind of place is this? You just fall off a branch in your sleep. That's all. And you go to Vaikuntha. He began to climb that tree. Thought, I'm, going to go to, I'm going to climb that tree and jump off that branch. And then a voice came from the sky. Don't do that. No. I have a mission for you. 
and uh, uh, you have to bring you have to bring in Radhyumna hmm, to see Nulmadava. So crow may have fallen off and gone to Vaikuntha, but uh, uh, one man's food is another man's poison. <laughs> we have to find our way. Follow our guru, and he may give different instructions to different ins- disciples and so forth. That's that's equal dealings. You want to see equal dealings from the guru, right? But if he is to deal, give equal dealings, then it will be everyone will be dealt with differently because everyone is a different. No one is equal. And Mali gives one concession to one and not to another. If you look carefully, you see, oh, he's giving a concession to this one, to the other one not getting it. So, he's very generously helping us this way to make progress. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur once said, to give you an extreme example, when some of the sannyasis found out he w- that some of the money that they were collecting in the, for the mission was going to build one of the manager of the mission's house for one of their relatives, they thought, this is not good. They elected Marsh to go and talk to Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta about it. So he came, he said, what is it that you want? He said, well, here's the thing. We're collecting all this money, and uh, we found out that some of it is going to such and such, so-and-so dasas, some of it, is, some small portion is going to build a house for his, his relatives. What did Prabhupada say? He said, you're a sannyasi. Why are you concerned about money? Your business is to collect it, not to spend it. I will throw money in the Ganges, he said, to spread Krishna consciousness. Can you live with that? <laughs> if you can live with that, then you can live with me. Understand what is my mission. So, Vidyapati, no, he couldn't just fall off the tree and sleep. The Lord wanted something of him. And he had to go and bring the king and so forth. So, back he came with... Vishprabhasu, and as he came back, Vishprabhasu had a vision in the deed. He said, actually, I wanted to show myself. I've been here for a long time, but I want opulent worship now. I want opulent worship in a big temple. And Indradumna Marsh has a desire to do that for me, and I want to fulfill that desire. Oh, and Vidyapati didn't like that very much, even though the deity wanted it. So sometimes there's selfishness. There's selfishness even in the spiritual world. But it's not material selfishness. All the way up to Mathura, some spiritual selfishness, like Kubja, like Rukmini and Dwarka, also. She couldn't deal with the idea that to give herself to Krishna, to marry Krishna, she was willing to be kidnapped, but she couldn't just go to him and forego the Vedic culture. That, that, oh, that would look bad on her. She broke the rules. But gopis, they don't think like that, do they? That doesn't even enter their mind. This is the bread. The bread there, Vrindavan, no spiritual selfishness even. But even in Vaikuntha, some, some spiritual selfishness. They want to be with the Lord, want to be his personal assistant. So how high is that bread, Bhakti? We cannot, we cannot even give up material selfishness. And what we're teaching is to give up spiritual selfishness. We have a long way to go. But we should be happy to know that we're connected to such a high ideal. It will take time. It will take a long time. Don't be discouraged. See what you're connected with. Such a high thing. Try to live this life. Be a good person and a good devotee. Don't try to be a great devotee. A good person, honest person, personal integrity, 
and be a good devotee. Serve advanced Vaishnavas, don't make any offenses, and don't be all in a, in a fret that, oh, I, I've got to get this, I've got to get that, I've got to be able to do bhajan and sit and be able to meditate on Krishna Leela 24 hours a day, and this is what it's about. That's what it's about, but it doesn't come about like by being afraid and worried that you're missing something. Follow your guru nicely. Be satisfied with whatever instruction he gives you. Live peacefully. Be a nice devotee. It may take a couple lifetimes, short time. Don't be said. In one sense, yeah, we should be enthusiastic to go now, but we should know. Take some time. And that's not a problem. Because what? We've got time. <laughs> Unlimited time. I don't say this to make you go slowly, but but sometimes in the name of encouraging people not going slowly, we find that they're going too fast. So we have to give a counter balance to that. Going too fast, running and tripping and trying to enter into areas that are beyond their adhikar, their uh, eligibility, creating problems for themselves. Be happy, be peaceful, chant Hare Krishna, and keep good association. And that will keep you going. You come here, get good association with the devotees and sadhus, gatherings like this. Keep us on track. Give us a proper focus and so forth. It's not about being neurotic, spiritual life. It's not about that. It should end all of that. It's good news. It's good news. It's a high thing. Good news. Where yoga leaves off, where jnana leaves off, this bhakti is taking off like a super booster rocket beyond the uh, atmosphere to the highest planet, Golok. So we are connected with that. We are on the course for that. Take a little time. So, Vishwavasu was a little concerned and he tried to imprison Vidyapati in his house so that he wouldn't go to introduce the Maharaj, make it so nice for him, so forth. But he had this mission, hmm? and wife insisted, let him go, so he let him go. He went back, and he reported to the king, I found Neil Madhava. Oh, such good news. So then the king went with his group, entourage and so forth. Long distance they came there, but when they got there, there was nothing there. It was all sand, and there were no mustard seed, flowers, or anything. Couldn't find the deity. So he was so disappointed. Well, I've come on. And this is the place, yes, but no deities here. So he was so distressed, he called out, Neil Madhava, Neil Madhava, Lord of the universe, Jagannath, he said. Neil Madhav, Neil Madhav, Jagannath. He did some Namkirtan. And then he heard a voice, said, Don't worry, I brought you here, even though I've gone to Vaikuntha. I've gone there, and I'm sending Lord Brahma to bring you here, to have my darshan in Vaikuntha. But you will not see me in this form in this world. But I have desire to be worshipped in another form. You've called out Jagannath, I come, will come in the form of the Lord of the universe. I'll be my brother and my sister. You look for us. Are we floating? We'll be floating like a log in an ocean. And you find that log, and it will have the marks of Vishnu on it, the chakra, the shanka, gada, padma. And from that log, then, 
you will carve the deity, oversee the carving of the deity, and then establish in a temple. So he heard this. So he was encouraged. How mystical. What are the desires of the Lord? Who can understand? So complex. Dealing with so many devotees all at once. So he erected a temple and Brahma came, took him to Vaikuntha. He had the darshan of Nil Madhava and Vaikuntha. And then when it was time for him to go back, he came back and of course everything had changed because he had been to, Brahma, been to Vaikuntha and it you know, took a, a lot of time passed. And uh, the temple was a little dilapidated. Another king was there in charge. He said, hey, I'm in the doom. I actually built this and I've come back. He established the temple fully and and so on. And then, looking for the log. And sure enough, in due course of time, that they was, was notified. The log has, has found, been found and so forth. So then they needed to have a, uh, a carver. But actually... They found the log and then they tried to bring it out of the water. But he sent his strong men and they couldn't bring it out. And then they brought elephants and horses and tried to... Nobody could move the log. Then another voice came and said, You have to get somebody from the Daitya, Sabar community. Nick and carry me. And so he found then the relatives of Vishprabhasu. They came. Couple picked him up, just like that, very easily. Huh. And then now we need uh, a carver also. And so then he called for are they called carvers? What are they called? Sculptors, woodworkers. So many came with their tools and so forth. And when they went to work on the log, their tools broke, one after another. So then one Brahmin, old Brahmin, came. He said, "I can carve that log." with my tools and I can make the deity as you, as, from this as you like but I require absolute privacy it will take me 21 days and I want to be completely left alone behind a closed door lock the door and guarantee me that you won't come in so I said alright the king said and we trust this old guy hmm? nothing else is working hmm? <laughs> so after 5 days 6 days 10 days 14 days the king's Queen, her name was Gunditcha, she said, I'm a little concerned. I mean, we haven't disturbed him for 14 days, but we haven't brought him any food either. We haven't brought him any water or anything. How? Now, he won't think that's a disturbance, will he? I mean, we can at least open the door to give him some water. And if we don't, what kind of deity is he going to be able to carve if he doesn't eat or have any water? So I think, you know, I mean, he said nobody should come in, but I mean, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't bring any water or food, right? Oh, and then the king was kind of, what to, how to think about this. And so anyway, she convinced him. <laughs> and they went to bring the water. And he said, I told you not to disturb me. Here it is. I'm all, I've got another week to go. The deity's not finished, right? And he looked, and there was the deity of Jagannath, Balabhadra, Subhadra, and Sudarshan Chakra. And it was deity, but, you know, his arms were tucked in like this, and his features weren't fully developed, it looked like hmm? so he said anyway that's all right lord has a desire he wants to be worshipped like this then he disappeared the carpenter that woodsman that was krishna himself came fashioned himself just the way he wanted to appear he has a purpose in mind
then and it was told from from the sky only these kind of people I, I, I'll live in the temple and the descendants of Vidyapati he remember he had two wives so the, once one side are Brahmins the other side are from a lower class the lower class will take care of me if he cook for me the Brahmins will do my worship in the temple this is the system in Jagannath Puri and and I want a 10-day festival annually a Rath festival a car festival and, uh, and, and and these Savars would take care of me on that day. And so it was arranged, and the king made the festivals and so forth. And in this way, for a long time, the worship of uh, Jagannath and Jagannath Puri has been going on. Now, at the same time, many people worship Lord Jagannath. Buddhists worship Lord Jagannath. They think of the three deities, Jagannath, Balaram, Subhadra, as manifestations of Buddha, and the Dharma, and, and something else. The Jains have a conception of them also. There are different Hindu conceptions, so many conceptions. And, well, anyway, one way to look at it, he's Jagannath, Lord of the Universe, so so many conceptions can fit with inside of him. But what this deity is really all about, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taught us. What he's, what is really on his mind, why he's shaped the way he's shaped, what this whole mystery of his appearance is all about. I mean, after all, he's the heart of Krishna. Did you hear me say that earlier? The heart of Krishna, this Jagana. What is the heart of Krishna? We have to think about that. What's on the heart of Krishna? What's making his heart beat? This Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to, to speak about. In Krishna Leela, this Leela manifests again and again and again and again. Manifest becomes unmanifest. Manifest becomes unmanifest. And each time there are different nuances. In Bhagavatam we find that after Krishna killed Dantavakra, almost the last of the demons, he, he, he did it in Mathura, so he went across the river Jamuna, visited the inhabitants of Vrindavan again, collected them all up, and took them to Goloka. Then he returned, went to Kurukshetra, and had the Kurukshetra war, wrapped up the Yadu dynasty and left the world, like I said before. Why did he leave, by the way, Krishna? Was it the foot of the the arrow of the of the hunter? We've explained no, he couldn't have died when the arrow of a hunter. What is it that, actually that made Krishna leave? Why would why would Krishna want to leave the world? Hmm? Because his devotees had left. <laughs> He'd arranged for them all to go back. So in separation from them, this is death. It may sound odd to you to hear that the tenth symptom of separation given in the, the, the Rosh Shastra is death. You think that's a little odd. Don't think like that. You don't understand death very well. And that means you don't understand life very well. Life is about death. Death is about separation, that's all. You're becoming separated from things that are important to you. And it becomes a problem, which is inevitable. The trick is to become attached, to make Krishna important to you. And then, when you feel separation from Krishna, when your attachment to Krishna becomes so great that you're feeling such intense separation from him, that kind of death that you want. Like Krishna died of separation. It's not a mortal death. I mean, nobody dies anyway. To speak of Krishna dying, nobody dies. There's, 
There is no death. The idea of death is only a problem because we are attached to the wrong thing. Otherwise, as we'll see, I'll explain. Death is, oh, this is so wonderful. As much as death is about separation, and if attachment to Krishna is the cause of our separation, oh, what death will bring, what kind of death that will bring. So these leelas are going on around and round and round, going and coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Each time there's some nuance, some difference. So one time in this leela, Krishna is in Dwarka. And he started thinking about the Brajbasis and, and it just wouldn't leave him. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, the thought wouldn't leave him. And he became overwhelmed with feelings of separation. And he passed out. It's not uncommon for him in Dwarka to be thinking about the Brajbasis. And at night, in the embrace of Rukmini, he's calling out in his dream, Radha, Lalita, Vishaka, the queens in Dwarka, they think, he's not our husband. This is a farce. He never even thinks of us. Because why? What you think about during the day, that's what you dream about at night. So they realize, they're very smart, educated ladies. They realize, he's not even thinking about us in the day. He's going through the motions of this whole thing. He's really <laughs> in love with Radha and all these inhabitants of Vrindavan. We're fortunate to have a little opportunity to do a little savor to him. I appreciated last night very much. Krishna Rati came to give me one of the cookies that was that you all had made, and I said, "Oh, you're having a nice time." He said, "Yes, yeah, very nice to come here." And I said, "Yeah, it's peaceful, it's it's nice, festive, and so forth." She said, "Yes, and we get a chance to do some seva. Very nice. A chance to do some seva. That's all. What an opportunity! If we understand who Bhagwan is." We get a chance to do a little saving. This is my chance to build a life here, a real life that won't be subject to death. So Krishna fell in the trance, feeling separation from from Vrindavan and from Radha in particular. And Nard appeared on the scene in Dwarka. And Uddhava came and others. Balaram came. What to do? Krishna's passed out. He's in the trance. And the nature of this trance is he's thinking of Radha's love for him and how she's feeling separation and it's causing him pain and so they what to do. So idea came, well, Narada, why don't you sing something about the Brajlila? Narada Muni Bajabina Radhika Ramananame. So he began to sing like this. But there was a concern. Well what happens when he wakes up? Here you're going to sing the Brajlila and bring him to external consciousness, but when he wakes up, he'd be in Dwarka. It would be a shock to his system. What to do? Said, well, or he may wake, he wake up in the Brajbab and find himself in Dwarka and this is a good short circuit. <laughs> <laughs> so they, yeah, Dwarka and Vrindavan, they just don't quite go together. They're at odds with one another. This Jagannath Puri is a train crash of religious conceptions. The crash between Dwarka and Brajalila. And see Krishna's condition. He's all been out of shape. <laughs> in Dwarka. <laughs> in Jagannath Puri. So, the idea came, well, look, we'd build these chariots. 
and build a chariot, bring Krishna's chariot with Daruka, and you can have it all ready to go to the Braj. Let's just take him there. And and Balaram, and, and, and it, we, we just take him there, and, and, and the Uddhava said, that's a great idea, and he'll really like that, but it might be a problem for us because he might not come back. Anyway, Balaram said, he should go. And you should go, it was advised by Nard, ahead of time, and prepare the Brajbasis, because what's happening here is Krishna's fallen into such a trance because he knows they may die. Radha herself, she may die. If she dies, everyone in Vrindavan will die. Everyone in Vrindavan is attached to Radha. They all have Sanchari Bhav for Radha, while their Stai Bhav is for Krishna. Their dominant relation, emotion for Krishna and an auxiliary emotion in friendship with Radha. And she's the queen of Vrindavan, Vrindavan Ishwari. If she dies, huh, then, then what? She's the real leader in Bhakti there. So, Balaram said, we've got to get him there. And then, as I say, it was advised, Uda, will you go ahead and, 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 and let them know? It's okay, don't, don't die, he's coming, he's coming. So Uda said, that's a great idea, I should go ahead and tell them, but there's a slight problem, I went there before. Krishna sent me there before, and I went to pacify them, and I was unsuccessful. I met them there, the gopis, they were all just crying and crying and crying. And I thought to say, don't cry, but then I thought, that doesn't work. People are attached to something material and they lose it and they cry. So then you say, don't cry, don't cry, it's okay. You give them some philosophy and a broader perspective. Hmm? It works, it works. You give you, I was a kid and I fell in love with a girl when I was, you know, sixth grade or something like that and then it didn't work out. Yeah. I never talked to her. <laughs> it wasn't like that in those days, you know. People drew hearts on the... On the bus, it was a... It was